0: good morning good morning (laughs) there you are let's stand together let's worship the Lord this morning
1: The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve. Beauty instead of ashes, a garment of praise, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. This is the invitation that Jesus has for each of us. This is the power of the gospel. I have experienced his healing and his freedom and his restoration in so many ways throughout my life. It's what guides me as a therapist, as a writer, as a teacher. How does Jesus meet us in this place of isolation and disconnection in the midst of so many unknowns? How do we experience the reality of who He is in our brokenness, in our pain, in our grief, and our loss? Where does He long to bring beauty and restoration? Will you join me as we gather at The Porch Retreat and connect with women in meaningful ways, allowing God to minister to the deep places in our hearts in the ways that only He can. We will engage our stories in the light and the power of the gospel. Let Him breathe life into you and meet you right where you are. I promise you won't want to miss it.
2: Good morning and welcome to Fellowship. We are so glad you're here this morning. My name is Sherry Barclay and I head up the women's small groups here at Fellowship Rogers. And this is Molly Hobbs and she leads one of those groups. Ladies, we wanna talk to you for just a minute. You saw the video about the upcoming retreat. On September 24th, we're gonna gather all across Northwest Arkansas on porches And then on Saturday morning, we'll have the opportunity to come here in this room and worship together. So if you want to find out more information, you can scan the QR code or you can grab one of these. You may have gotten one as you came in today. Also, if you scan that same QR code,
3: you can see the many opportunities for small groups for women coming up in the fall. Um,
2: There's offerings from the morning studies to afternoon and to evening. So check out. Yeah, and a couple of more things about that. We have a couple of studies with kids time. So if you want to bring your kids along, um, we have kids time here on our campus on Tuesday morning, and in Bentonville at Catalyst Church. And if that time frame doesn't work, I promise we have something that will. We have a group that meets here on Tuesday nights, and some other studies all across um, Northwest Arkansas. So as I mentioned earlier, Molly is a small group here on Tuesday morning, and Molly, I've seen you here for many years, um, way back in the day, bringing four little ones with her. Did your baby start kindergarten this week? Yes, she did. Okay, it's bittersweet, hang in there. But Molly, you've been here, and I just wanna know what what has driven you to just spend your time here, invest your time here on Tuesday mornings with women?
3: Yeah, sure, so I've been involved in um, women's ministry on Tuesday mornings for 13 years now, and for me, it has created an incredible consistency. In the summers, I tend to just slip off, and I'm not in the Word like I should, so I look forward to September's when I get to dig back in, have a consistency in studying scripture, because that's so important for us. Um, Second, for me, it has helped fight isolation. I think as women, we're really, really busy, and we're kind of connected in a lot of ways, but not deep, so it's created a, a way to fight isolation and to get involved and uh, build deeper friendships. Um, Also, it's a place where I have felt like I've had the opportunity to invite so many people in, women who have um, studied scripture in the past, all the way to women who haven't really ever opened the Bible and done much. And I have been in awe and inspired by um, women who have truly fallen in love with knowing God's word and studying it. And right now we
2: need to know God's word Thank you so much. That's encouraging. So we want to encourage y'all to grab one of these, get online, and check out what we have to offer.
4: So how do I get involved in one of those small groups?
2: Well, you can be in a community group with me, but you can't be in one of these. All right.
4: Thank you. Hey, that's my wife. That's Molly Hobbs. Let's say thank you for their work here at Fellowship. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. I work primarily in the Rogers area here at Fellowship and get to serve you all and love doing it. And it's good to see so many folks here in church. As a matter of fact, if you're here for the first time, you're visiting, you want to get connected, we'd love to get you connected. All you have to do is scan that QR code or go to fellowshiprogers.org forward slash news. Everything I mentioned today, you go to Fellowship Rogers forward slash news, you'll find out about it. So if you're new and get connected, you can go there or you can stop by the middle booth in the foyer. We'll connect you. We'd love to answer any questions you have, get you connected here at Fellowship, maybe get you in Discover Fellowship and, and things like that. Hey, you've seen these. We've talked about them. The First Timothy books are out in the foyer in a couple weeks, so actually three weeks. September twelfth, we will start a series in First Timothy. The whole fall, we're going to study First Timothy together. As a church, and so this is your sermon series guide. You can take notes in it. This is also your small group study, your community group study, and so you might your, your your most community groups will be doing this. So you can get this and do this study in your community group. It's also a personal devotional or personal Bible study. We've actually got a bookmark that comes along with it that teaches you how to do inductive Bible study. And we'll be talking more about that this fall. But pick up your T- Timothy guide for five dollars. If you're a digital person, you can download it for free, um, and if it, if We'd love for you to pick this up, get connected with us, um, think about things going on. Also, reengage our marriage ministry here at Fellowship. You may have heard Jimmy Cummings mention it last week. It's a great opportunity. It's a small group ministry as well, to every once in a while, if you're married to push the pause button, step away maybe from your normal small group, and do something like reengage. It's a marriage enrichment ministry. We recognize that marriage is holy, but it also can be hard. Um, It's awesome, but sometimes can be awkward, and so it's it's good to take some time and invest in your marriage. If that interests you, same thing, just scan the QR code, stop by the center booth in the foyer, we'll get you connected in one of those groups and that ministry starting out. If you're a college student or you have college students, um, tonight's the night at Fellowship Fayetteville, so our campus down in Fayetteville, uh, there's a college service starting 7 p.m., Tonight they get you connected into everything going on at Fellowship and small groups. So if you've got a college student, encourage them to be there. Tell them you'll help pay their tuition if they show up or something like that. I think tuitions do right away too. So, by the way, so so uh, but get, get your college students involved or if you're a college student, just just go to service there. You're going to love it. Um, it's it's really encouraging. I don't know about you, but with the the recent fall of Afghanistan, my heart's been heavy. Um, with uh, lots of friends or friends who have family members struggling with COVID-19. There's just, there's just a lot of uh, uh, suffering going on with what's going on in Haiti, the humanitarian crisis there. Uh, my heart's been heavy. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> with, with the things going on in the world, um, especially Afghanistan, the persecution of the Christians there, it, it's kind of hard to, to see and to listen to. And so how do we respond as believers in Christ? What do we do? Um, how do we participate? And I'll give you three things. First of all, get, get informed. Um, there's a number of ways you can do that. I listened to a, fr- a friend, sent me a podcast this week, really good, Jenny Allen. She's kind of famous. Uh, um, she has a podcast. She interviews Pastor X from the Middle East. And what you hear is there's incredibly hard stuff going on over there, but there's also a movement of God. Some of the fastest growing church movements are in the Middle East and in Afghanistan. And under this incredible persecution, God is moving. Second, we remember as Christians, we stand on his word. His word stands firm. Second Corinthians says that this momentary uh, affliction, and it may not feel like momentary affliction to, to them right now, but this momentary affliction, it pales in comparison with the weight of the eternal glory of God. Amen? Yeah, amen. And then third, it sounds simple, but we are to pray. And pray and pray. And right now, we should pray like we've never prayed before for the persecuted church. Our prayers right here, they really matter over there. So would you stand with me right now and let's, let's pray for the suffering going on right here and around the world. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning as we begin this time of worship and we just want to recognize that we, that you, we recognize that you are in charge and you're in control. Uh, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, and particularly in the Middle East and Afghanistan, who are uh, suffering incredible persecution. But we hear stories of, of faith and people coming to faith. We hear stories of the gospel going out because of this persecution. And Lord, we just pray for peace and comfort, and also, Lord, for you to be shared and your name to be glorified. Lord, we pray that you would use us and use our prayers and show us how we are to respond. Lord, we believe and we trust you because your word really does stand firm.
5: flood to a
0: So this morning we're gonna be talking about what it looks like for us to come together and uh, in gospel community. What it looks like for, for us to love one another well and learn and grow together. And uh, I've been reading a lot of Dallas Willard lately in, as a, in my uh, journey of, of learning more about spiritual formation and discipleship to Jesus. And I ran across this quote and I thought it was very applicable. For us, just kind of as to set context for us this morning. He says the Trinity is the model of life for life together uh, with God. Isn't that an interesting thought? I want to just put that seed in your mind. What is the character and the nature and the way that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, interact with one another. That's the model for us, how we're to interact with each other. And so as we continue to sing hymns and songs and, and hear teaching this morning, I just want that to be rumbling around in your mind. Consider that. Let's sing together. Holy, holy, holy. Oh mm-hmm. Jesus lets us in on his prayer to his father in Jesus 17 and John 17 sorry there's not a book named after Jesus in the Bible Uh, it's John Uh, John gives us a peek Um, as Jesus prays to his father he says I have given them his disciples the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Trinity is a model of life together with God. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. There it is, that's the picture. We want to be salt and light to a world in need. They have to see us together. They have to see unity. Yes? That's how God designed it. But this unity that Jesus prays for, it's not just around an idea or a political stance or any of those things. No, it's about a relationship, it's about intimacy with one another. Intimacy. Jesus had intimacy with his Father and he prayed that for us, that we would have that with him and as a result with one another. Intimacy has to do with shared experience. Intimacy with God is sharing experiences with God. That's how it's gained. You ever thought of it that way? So as you're walking through your day, You can share your experience with God. He can share in it with you. That's what Jesus called the abiding life. Just two chapters earlier in John, John, not Jesus 15, but John 15. Just two chapters earlier, he says this. He gives us this beautiful metaphor for what that looks like. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain, abide in my love. So that's the work for us, is to learn how to do that, right? How do I become more aware of God's presence in my everyday life? How do I remain in his love? That's my prayer these days. God, teach me more and more how to do that. So more of my life is lived with an awareness of your presence than, than, than before, than the day before, than the year before. Because you give life and you give life abundantly. And I want that kind of life. I pray that for all of us. Uh, there's a new song I wanna introduce to you. It's called, Abide. And uh, it was written by some friends out of Little Rock. Uh, and it is such a perfect song that I really hope gets stuck in your head. like those songs that get stuck in your head and you're just a, it's so annoying you can't get rid of it. That's my prayer for you, so sorry, but that's my prayer for you with this song. Is that it gets stuck there? Because the whole idea is it's a prayer. God teach me how to abide. So we're going to play, play this song, teach it to you this morning. It's really simple jump in as you start to get the hang of it. Sound good? Okay, you can respond. For my
5: sleep
0: at night,
5: I depend on you. I depend on you. You're the way, the truth, and the light. You're the way.
0: Where the spirit, meets. where the spirit, meets, as I'm falling,
5: I deepen on you, I deepen on you for the victories still in front.
0: Get out of here. As I enter rest,
5: I depend on You. I depend.
0: Just take a moment. Just bow your head. Just think: is there a space? Is there a time of, of the week, of the day, are there moments that you tend to turn away and forget God? Would you ask the Spirit to bring those to mind? Those moments when. He desires for you to stay connected, to keep looking to me, trust in me, trust in my goodness for you in this moment. Just lift those up to God.
6: We are Fellowship Bible Church. We exist to glorify God as we passionately follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are a community of believers led by the Spirit and under the authority of God's Word. We are better together. We grow together. As individuals, we strive to mature in our love for both God and people. As a church, we seek to grow in our health and our reach. We learn together. We study God's Word so that we can know Jesus intimately and follow Him obediently. We worship together. We meet each week shoulder to shoulder to worship the Lord and then we scatter across Northwest Arkansas to live lives worthy of His name. We gather together. We come together face to face in small groups where we create a space to know the Lord and be known by others. We serve together. Arm in arm, we use our gifts and resources to make a difference locally and globally. We are on mission to love people well. We believe all people matter to God, are created in His image, and are worthy of service. We are Fellowship Bible Church. Together, we release spiritual leaders who express the authentic Christ where we live, work, and play. And our hope and prayer is that we would change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world.
7: You put all that together, and that's a pretty compelling vision of church, isn't it? And some of us in the room are thinking, yeah, and I've experienced that, and it is compelling. And others of us, maybe you're brand new and you're thinking, I wish I could experience that, hope to. And then there's probably some others who maybe are a touch cynical. You have enough past with the local church and you're saying, "Uh uh-uh, it doesn't seem to work out that way. You know, I first encountered the local church when I was in high school 40 years ago. I got invited to a youth small group, something very similar to our FSM cell groups that happen on Wednesday nights. And I remember my first encounter with the local church, I was captured by two thoughts. Number one was the message, but number two was the people. I was captured by the gospel message, but at the same time, the people had something that I needed and something that I wanted. By the time I jumped into college, I got involved and started plugging into a large church. It was a church that was known for, for great Bible teaching and compelling worship. But at the same time, there was a little short on relationship. And so Lisa and I were engaged at the time, and we decided to find a, a smaller church that we could plug into, one where there might be a diversity of ages. You can read that older people who would love on us well. And so we found Fellowship Bible Church, Albuquerque, New Mexico, a church so small that one time we had 85 people on Easter when everybody brought their family. Strong on Bible teaching. But even though everybody knew each other personally, still a little short on relationship. You know what we learned from those experiences? Size is never a determiner of health, ever. You know, I've been a a church volunteer and I've been a staff member. I've served as a pastor and an elder and a community group leader. I've served as a junior high, small group leader, and I've served as a nursery worker. I even was asked to run sound once, just once. I was never asked to run again. It was terrifying. I asked to go back to the nursery We have found in our lives, church is one of the sources of greatest blessing for us, and at the same time, candidly speaking, one of the greatest sources of pain. Church has been both a healing balm in our life and at the same time, a wounding arrow. And so we've walked away with one conclusion. There's nothing like the local church when she's healthy, nothing and I don't live with an idealized romanticism about the church. I know her beauty and her warts all in its all. But I believe she is the bride of Jesus who is the apple of his eye. And at the very same time, the body of Jesus who's fulfilling his purposes on earth. God knows what he's doing by calling the local church together. The church, like every living organism, has a birthday. Its birthday was the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago where 120 followers of Jesus huddled, literally, hid in an upper room waiting for the promised Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit came, not quietly. And they spilled out of that room of 120 people and into the streets and Peter preaches his first sermon in the streets of Jerusalem. And from Acts chapter 2 it describes the events from verse 41 to 47. You see a paragraph telling about this description of a healthy local church. And it begins in Acts chapter 41 with the line So then, those who had received his word, that's Peter's message, were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. And the last line of that paragraph reads, And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Folks, the first church started as a megachurch of at least 3,120 people. And then it began to grow quickly. But it's not the size that impresses us, is it? If you read that first that paragraph, you know it's not size that captures your attention, it's health. Let's be honest. When my size gets larger, no one's impressed. It's health. It's health that captures our attention, isn't it? And in this paragraph, we see a description of the healthy church. But before we open the paragraph, let's do a warning right up front. Health is not perfection. No. I know that sometimes believers read this little paragraph in Acts 2, and we get a vision of this church must have been perfect. Why can't our local church be like the perfect church in Acts two? The only people who say that have never read the rest of Acts. Because in Acts chapter five, they struggle with the same sins that our church struggles with, which is hypocrisy, lying, and a lot of spiritual posing. In Acts chapter six, they struggle with the same things that the church in our world struggles with, which is racial disunity. And by Acts 15, you see a leadership fraction happen that causes a split. No, no, no. Health is not perfection. Health is direction. So what direction does a healthy church take? Let's read Acts 2 together. Verse 42, we see right up front. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I want you to lock in on that first description. It's captured with the phrase "continually devoted." Uh, It comes from two Greek words that means strong and steadfast. You and I might say it this way: they were stubbornly steadfast, or better yet, we'd say they were doggedly determined. They just locked in on something. What did they lock in on? Into teaching, into the apostle, to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship. Last spring. Community of Bentonville had a men's retreat. We had Jimmy Dykes come and speak. And uh, Jimmy said something in his last talk of the weekend that really captured me. He was describing an experience because of his job as an ESPN college basketball analyst. He was describing an experience where he was riding in a car with Coach Roy Williams, of North Carolina Tar Heels coach, back to the airport. And in this car ride, he turned to Coach Williams and he said, Coach, what makes Tyler Hansbrough so Tyler Hansbrough? Now, if you know college basketball, you know that from 05 to 09, Tyler Hansbrough was a four-time All-American first team, first round NBA pick. And Coach Williams said, Tyler Hansbrough has never gotten bored with the basics. That's health. And that's continually devoted. This dogged determination to the basics. So what basics? The content of teaching and an experience of fellowship. Word and fellowship. Men and women, that's our namesake. As Sam Hannon said two weeks ago, we are fellowship Bible church. So we believe that the word of God is so precious, we're just going to be doggedly determined to hold on to it and hold it up. But at the same time, our name is also fellowship Bible church. Both side by side that we are ambitiously committed to. The word fellowship and Acts 2.42 is such a powerful word. It's packed with meaning. I guess literally it means to share in. But you see it other places in your New Testament, and it's translated words like partnership, participation, contribution, communion. Do you know how you never see this word fellowship translated ever in your Bible? Spectator, attender, observer, because those three words are the exact opposite of the biblical word fellowship. The church, the metaphor the scripture uses is a body, a functioning body that we're a member of. It's never a place I attend, it's never an organization I critique, and it's certainly not a good or service that I consume. No, instead, it's talked about like a family. This week, I stumbled across a tweet by Dr. Tony Evans, and if you don't know Dr. Evans, it's a, he's a well-known Bible teacher and pastor out of the Dallas, Texas area, and he said this, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. That's good practical theology lived out. Wise words. You know, wiser still are recorded by Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4, verse 9. Solomon says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Do you notice how Solomon says two are better than one? <laughs> I'm a simple man. You know what I take that to mean? One is worse than two. And he says it's worse than two. One's worse than two because communities, community is how God intends to do a couple of things in our life. He wants to provide for us and protect us. So in verse nine, he says, God provides for us through community. They get a better return for their labor. In verse 10 through 12, he says, God protects us through community. And so he says, let's just know that if you're gonna do life on this planet, you're gonna fall down. You need someone to lift you up. You're gonna get cold. You need someone to warm you. You're gonna be attacked. You need someone to defend you. Which tells me that I am at my most foolish or most arrogant when I choose to do life apart from the community of God's people. And not only that, I've noticed something in this little passage in Ephesians, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes 4. I noticed that Solomon starts with the number two, but he ends with the number three. I think that's a brilliant reference to spiritual community. That God is involved even in our fellowship here with one another. Remember. Healthy spiritual community is never perfection. It's always direction. So what is the direction that this Acts 2 first church experienced in their early days? Well, let's look back at the text. And you see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and then 46 through 47, that the very first direction, the very first pursuit of a healthy church is that they pursue the Lord. The text tells us they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were praising God together. And you see this distinct vertical orientation to this set of horizontal relationships, don't you? That that's what makes the church, unlike any other community that you've experienced, and I have communities in this city that I love, it might be cycling, it might be kayak fishing, it might be drinking too much coffee, but it's not like the same thing of the spiritual community when we gather together. Our community groups are not self-help groups, although you will find help there. Our community groups are primarily not support groups, although you will find support there. Our community groups certainly are not Christian book clubs, although we will occasionally read a book together. And our community groups are not dinner clubs, although if you've ever been in a community group, you know you eat too much there. What are our community groups? God's people gather together to chase after the Lord Jesus together. Because a wise and humble follower of Jesus knows you can't even chase him well apart from God's people. We come together to pursue Jesus Christ. Hey, school started this week. At least in my house, we have plenty of high school sports teams t-shirts already being sported. All of them with some kind of version of a logo that looks like this. We over me, or maybe your son or daughters might say, we is greater than me. I think it's why I love team sports, it's true. Even when I'm jumping into my community group, I'm just like you, I sometimes ask, am I gonna get anything out of this tonight? And then I'm reminded it's a team sport, the we over me. But you know even better than that, The Gathered Church of Believers wears another logo on their shirt, and that it's he over we. That even as we gather here this morning, we understand that the reason we're here and we enjoy being with one another, but it is actually because of Jesus. Jesus, he is greater than we. Or as Mickey said last week in his teaching on worship together, we're here to pursue the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why I think our heartbeat at Fellowship Bible Church echoes Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of two things, your loving kindness, that's the word grace, and your truth. That's the cry of the heart every Friday night gathered in this room at Celebrate Recovery. That was the cry of the heart last night at Fellowship Mosaic. That is the cry of the heart at Fellowship Fayetteville and at Fellowship Rogers this morning. And Lord willing, that will be the cry of the heart at Fellowship Bentonville when we launch there. We actually believe he is a big deal. And that the only time we have our worst day is when we lose sight of that. And we gather in pursuit Of our Lord. You notice though, even in Psalm 115, as much as it exalts the triune God, you still see a noun in there, and it's an us, not a me, which tells us that a healthy spiritual community pursues the Lord, but also pursues the Lord's people. Let's look back at Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 46. We see in that text that in all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in a temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And at least I can't miss the repeated words here, can you? Together and all. And you see that this healthy church, experienced this radical sense of enjoying one another's company, but also taking care of one another's practical needs. And that's stunning because this is a church of 3,120 people at least and growing. So how did they find out about all of these practical needs? How did they find out that someone's car broke down and needed a Uh, a new engine, but over here that someone else needed help on their rent or their mortgage, and over here, how did they, did they come once a week just to wait for the upfront worship announcements? I'm going to wager they didn't log into a website to read it in the newsletter. No, we know how they found out about practical needs and rallied. There's a phrase buried in verse 46, house to house. Oh, there it is. Don't you see it? Small group ministry has always been essential in a healthy local church. Always. This isn't a nouveau strategy we came up with when fellowship was planted in 1984. House to house has been plan A, and we want to stay at it. I've seen this. I've seen small group ministry this summer take care of very practical needs once people found out about it. I've watched, uh, and it looked so ordinary. Like you could have driven down a street and seen a man mowing a lawn. What I would have seen is a a single mom who was struggling to keep her lawn maintained this summer and her community group choosing to take care of it every week during the summer. You would have seen it ordinarily, like just a mom picking up her car from a, a shop. I would have seen a community group who got there early and paid for that exorbitant expense before she had to pick it up. How did people find out about practical needs? House to house. I think those two women would tell you that Solomon was right. Two are better than one, and one is way worse than two. Lisa and I personally this summer, through small hardships, have experienced the kindness of believers coming around us. Through major crises in our past, we have watched our community rally around us and carry us. You, we would tell you right up front, Solomon's right. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And listen, I know small group ministry. I know community groups are not perfect. And That small group ministry is not ideal. I know it. I've experienced it. I lead a far less than ideal one. But I would rather take imperfect community over no community any day of the week. Listen, I know my own marriage and family is far from perfect and ideal. But I'm glad to be in it, chasing the ideal with people who are pursuing Jesus and one another than just holding myself out until I can find the perfect. No, we know that a healthy church pursues the Lord and his people. But third, we also chase after and pursue God's ongoing work. Look at verse 43 and 47 in the text. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And all God's people are grateful that God is not into efficiency because you know he could have done wonders and signs far more efficiently and perfectly himself without using people. We know he could have met people's needs and encouraged their hearts and brought them to himself far more quickly and cleanly than using us. But our God is too good to hold out on the joy of seeing redemption experienced and go forward. And so he invites us into it. By grace, he saves us to himself. And by grace, he uses us for his ongoing purposes because he knows that's where the good life is found. Listen, we'll hear more over the next two weeks from both Sam Hannon and Nick Rowland over how God will use us in his ongoing purposes. But for this morning's purpose, could we at least hold on to realizing that A healthy church pursues all three of those pursuits. We pursue the Lord, we pursue his people, and we pursue God's ongoing work through our lives. But because Jesus is so good and so generous and so gracious, he doesn't just employ us. He rewards us. And so we not only chase after three Pursuits, we experience three fruits. And you can't miss it when you read that paragraph. Look at the fruits that God brings the healthy spiritual community. First, he says, is a sense of awe. Verse 43 everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. You know why? They knew they were in the middle of a God thing. And it blew them away that God was so good he wanted to use them in the middle of that. Listen, as imperfect as we are at Fellowship Bible Church, we are in the middle of a God thing. And we are so glad as a result. Second, we experience joy. Verse 46 says, Day by day they ate together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And so we know that their small group ministry was marked by authentic joy. As a pastor, one of the privileges I have is is being around people that I love in this body who are finishing their earthly life. And you know, I have never heard anyone say as they finish their earthly life, you know, I just wish I hadn't have been so connected and so engaged with people. I just wish I had done more me time. No one says that. Because they know that the things that were precious in their life were the people they loved, the people they served with, the people they engaged, the people they encountered, the people they enjoyed. That's what made life worth living. And it is the same for us as well. Fellowship, biblical fellowship is a path to joy. And third, it's a path to unity. We also see in 46, day by day, it continued with one mind. What brings unity to the body of Christ? Shared pursuit. A shared pursuit. Listen, I'm gonna hunch that you can't make it to Wednesday this week without someone reminding you, quote, we've never lived in such a divided world. Right, you're gonna hear that. You probably won't make it through today without hearing that. Well, you know what's not gonna bring unity? more people pontificating about that, posting on social media about that, editorializing about that. What will bring unity is a shared pursuit, chasing after the Lord, his purposes, and his people. The fruit of that shared pursuit, we call unity. So if your experience of Fellowship Bible Church has been one of just attending public worship. Whether you're brand new here or whether you've been an attender here for years, can I encourage you to trade up to biblical fellowship? To move from attending to participating and sharing with and giving your life to. I will tell you on this front end God has so much more for you than attending and that you belong here and that you're needed here and better than all of that, you're actually wanted here. And so I implore you, jump into a small group and gather face to face with us. You're gonna find as imperfect a community as they did in the very first church, which will just remind you that you're more than welcome here. And we'll chase after the same pursuits and we'll trust that God will bring the same fruits in our lives. I watched that happen with Dave and Marty. They moved from another state, found themselves in Bella Vista and someone invited them to attend Fellowship Bible Church with them. But then they made the leap and moved from attending Fellowship Bible Church to actually participating in biblical fellowship. And you'll hear in their voice everything changed at that point from here. Take a listen.
8: We've lived our entire married life in Texas when we grew up there too. So moving here has been an amazing change for us. People are amazingly friendly. Um, It's also outstanding simply to be welcomed.
9: When we moved here, we downsized significantly but then our adult daughter needed to come for some health issues. And 1,400 square feet's a little tight for three adults. And so we started looking for a house and prayed and said, you know, Lord, you know what we need. You know how much you want us to spend. And
8: Well, within 24 hours,
9: yeah.
8: we were told, there's a house you need to come look at. Ours was the only offer.
9: So that's why uh, we're in the midst of um, updating and renovating and...
8: And that's why you see uh, the bare walls, the ladders—it's we're getting close. We're getting close.
3: It's good.
8: We were invited to fellowship some time ago.
9: We have mutual friends, and so they knew we were coming up, and said, "Hey, let us show you around." And oh, by the way, why don't you come to church with us Sunday? And so we walk into fellowship on a Sunday morning. We feel good here
8: without plugging in, without being connected. That's not where we want it to be. And because folks cared enough to step out and say, hey, we see you're new, why don't you uh, why don't you come sit with us? We ended up with friends, we have people that care, we have people that invite us over to their home.
9: We feel welcomed in now every time we go because we can find our community, our small group. All scattered around and now that they've encouraged us to do some of the things they do at fellowship then we've met other people we serve through our small group that's how we got to know about the different things that fellowship does because people in our small group were connected in different kinds of ways we feel so blessed that we were um, welcomed in the way that we were we want that feeling for other people We want them to feel like, oh my goodness, this is more than just sitting in a service on Sunday morning. This is a family of people who care about me.
8: For us, one of the really neat things is to be able to step in and help a church grow Mm -hmm. from the ground up. And that's exciting because you're part of, you're being useful for God's kingdom. As the church grows and grows and grows, The way folks truly stay in touch is with the group of friends around them making them feel that it's important that they're there that people care and you're also then helping them plug in
9: if you really want to feel welcome yourself welcome some other people that are new
8: and the fact that you care enough to take that opportunity and make that effort this is what comes across to people Not how much you know, but how much you care. These are the folks you look for, who you sit with, who you enjoy being with, who you enjoy worshiping with.
9: What opportunity there is in Bentonville to serve outside the church as well as inside the church. Um, So exciting to think the people of Bentonville would be able to say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad fellowship came here because our community is different because they're here. Bentonville is such a growing, dynamic community. We need to, as our church family say, how can we um, help Bentonville, Arkansas be the place God wants it to be? If we had not joined a small group, our lives at Fellowship would be very different. We might have met people, but I mean, think about walking into a large auditorium And you sit here one day, well, you maybe talk to the person beside you, but, well, the next week you can't find them. So there you are, you start over, you you meet the person beside you, but you never feel like, oh, I'm going to go see so-and-so. So So that would have been very different.
8: The thing is, even when things get kind of rough, your friends, your church family is there. Your support system is there. It's intact. It doesn't fade away just because something odd is happening to your reality. But it's just extraordinary how that concept kicks in and pulls you through bad times, rough times.
9: And they pray for us all the time. They pray for Katie all the time. And they really do. They don't just say, how pray for you. We know they are. And the thing is, if you've never been in a small group, just give it a try. You don't need to do anything well to be in a small group. You just need to go. That's all. And show up and God will do the rest of it.
7: Remember how we said that unity is one of the fruits of a shared pursuit? You know that's true, because otherwise, how do you explain wearing a Texas shirt in Razorback country? (laughs) Dave and Marty will actually be part of our community group this year, and uh, I thought, huh, we probably need to watch the Texas-Arkansas game with them this year. (laughs) Hey, what I captured there, though, was the passion. The passion that they had to, to serve one another, but even serve their city, right? As a group. And then it hit me, what if hundreds of small groups or community groups of Fellowship Bible Church in Springdale, Rogers, Bentonville, wherever you call home, live with that same kind of passion? That's the rich life. We have communion in our hands. I'd like to ask you to stand and begin to kind of open them and prepare the elements. You hear that sound? One day it will go away. (laughs) So the fruits of a shared pursuit, awe, joy, unity. Communion, such a good God-given symbol of that. Jesus says when you take and eat this meal together, this bread, this cup, you, you recognize that the body of Jesus was broken and the blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. We mean, your past is forgiven and your future is secure. That's awesome. And that brings joy to us as we realize that we're gonna enjoy that kind of future with Jesus together. And it also allows us to enjoy unity. So Jesus said, when you eat and drink, you eat remembering me. Why? because we've been remembered to him and to one another. So let's eat and drink in his name. And O triune God, it has been good to worship together in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you have been good and gracious to bring us together with you forever. And you've been kind to let us do that together. May we pursue what matters most to you as we journey together. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if we can pray for you, the Nervigs are right under here, under the sign that says prayer room to my my left, your right. And then our folks are standing at the middle table to help you step into small group. God bless you, fellowship. We'll see you next week.